one of the first things that I I did was called the Broken Music Box, and it, it's 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 very straightforward. Faust finds this this music box and he realizes it's broken, and then by the end of the performance, he he gets it to work. Of course, he does magic with the doll and it rises in its hand and and whatnot. But for me, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how I felt during my experience with cancer. It was like, you know, I, I might not make it through all this. I, I might, you know, there's that possibility I might die. And then, you know, a lot of things just kind of went into that piece because I, I thought about life and death and how this little doll was a metaphor for, you know, death and being able to rise again and to be able to come from being broken to working again. So it wasn't a linear story. It was just the feeling. It was a story about, you know, how this guy is feeling and what he's reminiscing about. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm Rick Scotch, your host of the Scotch Parlor podcast, where we capture and share stories of inspiring people that bring motivation and knowledge to our community of doers. Life is good. Let's get started. Welcome to Scotch Parlor. I'm your host, Rick Scotch, on the Scotch Parlor Podcast. Today, I have magician and storyteller, Chris Hernan, a.k.a. Faust. And Chris, as Faust, is a member of two of the most prestigious magic organizations in the world, the Magic Castle in Hollywood, California, and the Magic Circle in London, England. His magical style has won him two international competition awards in 2018 and 2019. He's appeared on America's Got Talent Season 15. He creates a circuit style of performance filled with mime, music, and magic. Beyond his performance accomplishments, Chris is a cancer survivor. Being a cancer survivor is actually what led him to an unexpected journey to the Las Vegas stage. I'm super pumped to have you share your story today, and I will pass it on to you for your intro. Well, thank you very much, Rick, just for having me on the show. Um, been looking forward to this for a real long time. I know we talked about doing this prior to COVID, yeah. so here we are, finally. and it's, it's, it's finally <laughs> happening. So. I'm just really happy to share my story. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's let's start off with, so where are you originally from? Um, my family is from the Philippines, but I grew up in the Bay Area all my life in a small town called Rodeo, uh-huh. Rodeo, California. So it's real close by. Uh-huh. I think it it's it's a, an industrial town, and I think it was really famous because Green Day happened to grow up in that little neighborhood too. Okay. So, you know, I seen them as kids, but it, it, it's really a small town. I mean, uh-huh. I go back there now and I, and I say, wow, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's just life kind of makes things smaller uh-huh. when you go back to it. For sure. But yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area all my life and okay. then, you know, circled, or circled back around to Benicia where uh-huh. I currently live. But I've lived in LA and Hawaii and been all over the world. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So how long did you live in Los Angeles? For about a year. Okay, okay. Yeah, for about a year. Just living with a, a friend out there, kind of exploring what life had to offer. Uh-huh. But like anything else, it, it's just, you know, you find yourself coming back home. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so as much as I, I, I loved being out there, um, I, I just 
needed to be around family. Gotcha. Yeah, no, you know? I, for sure. It's funny because I'm, um, I love LA. So I, I, I didn't, I did hear you say you lived in Hawaii. Most people be like, how long did you live in Hawaii? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, when you, I zoned in on the LA, but how long did you live in Hawaii too? Well, I was in the Air Force. Okay. Oh, sweet. Yeah. All right. So I was in the Air Force and me and the wife lived uh-huh. out for, lived out there for four years, oh, maybe awesome. a little bit more than that. And we did fall in love with it. All right, all right, you know? yeah. I mean, it's and Hawaii. Right? It's, it's, it's Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a water person uh-huh. for sure. All right. And you know, after work, you'd go to the beach, and it, it was just like a vacation. Ah, uh, yeah. You know? I mean, it's it it truly is paradise. But but then again, it's very hard because our support system was out here, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we wanted to raise a family, and you know that was. Probably the deciding factor to coming back yeah. was to raise a family. Eventually, we'll probably end up being back there. All right. You know? Yeah. So there you Hopefully. go. Hopefully. All right. Cool. 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 <laughs> so uh, before we kind of dive deeper, um, I always like to build, ask these foundational type of questions, and they're very basic questions. Um, are you an early riser or a night owl? I'm a night owl. All right. And what does that mean? You're uh, what time are you, you you're going to bed? <laughs> oh boy, you know it, it'll range. Uh-huh. I mean, probably two a.m. to okay. three three a.m. in the morning, just because I think my mind races. That's cool. Yeah. You know? All right. And, and I think because it's quiet during uh-huh. that time, I'm able to gather my thoughts and and really, that's probably when I'm more creative. Okay, that's really, cool. That's know? cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's just it's cool to see different creatives just have different. They're different zones as far as what's what works best for them. And, yeah, all just right. the quietness and the overall yeah. mood of the night. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And then uh, as you, when you do wake up, or maybe even through to keep you up at night, are you a coffee drinker? I am a coffee drinker. However, you know, I if you asked me the difference between you know <laughs> certain grains of you know yeah. coffee, then I wouldn't know. But Definitely, you know, I, that's the first thing that I'll have in the morning uh-huh. is is coffee, and I could have it with cream or just, you know, it, it's got to have a little bit of sugar. But for now, it's the it's the Keurig uh, donut yeah. shop. There you, you know? go. All right, cool, cool, cool. yeah. And, and then just to kind of for relaxation purposes, uh, cocktail of choice. Of course, it's going to be the margarita All and, right. and, or different variations of tequila. Okay, you know that I've kind of experimented with. You know, but yeah, it's it's really nice to have that. I have a sweet tooth, uh-huh. so I, I I love juices, and so with the mix of just a tequila and to cut the edge off of the day, that you know, that's sometimes I look forward to it. Yeah, it, for definitely. Sure. Awesome, awesome. All right, so okay, what's your earliest memory that guided you down the path? to you as now as a magician what would you when you were younger something that may have happened or something of that nature well i could tell you that you know like anyone else in the magic world you you see magic for the first time and you experience this sense of astonishment i think i seen that with harry houdini like with this old black and white uh, documentary that i remember very vividly seeing it at my grandmother's house on this television that was made out of wood and uh, I saw Harry Houdini perform some escapes and that intrigued me because to me he was like a a real superhero that he can do these things. That sense of astonishment for me stuck with me all my life. However, I didn't really want to be a magician, you know, growing up. I was just astonished by the fact that a man or a woman could do something like that, that it was possible. 
what you know i i think with that question that you asked my memory of just my mom you know being a single mother and raising me as a kid and i remember times she would bring me to work at, on you know graveyards and i'd sleep in the bathroom and that sort of work work ethic hmm. you know stuck with me all my life yeah for sure you know and and i always carried that even with magic now so i i kind of want to bridge the two together because for me you know it's fine to have that sense of astonishment and that experience with magic but the ethic of having that hard work to achieve this this ability to to share magic on that level really goes back to that ethic that ethic that my mom showed me wow you know yeah. so i always remember that that's you know, all right i never experienced anything hard like that in my entire life but when i i i just remember it very clearly and i always told myself that's the kind of work ethic that i need to apply in anything i do yeah all right oh wow that's all right so that 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 took you down the path of who you are today that's absolutely that's, a, that's great so so then now we, when we're talking about the path you are now who is faust oh faust well <laughs> how you, did it all start well faust was just something from my imagination initially maybe about 10 years ago i was diagnosed with cancer and that was the first inclination that I knew I wanted to write about my experience with cancer. And I was feeling very helpless, depressed during that time, because when you're, I, if I could explain going through chemotherapy and the treatment, you're kind of like in this little dream world where you're underwater, you notice that things are happening around you, but you're not quite there, present with people. I guess it's because of all the medications that you're on and just the, the overall intensity of the treatment. So during that time, I, I knew I wanted to explain how I felt, especially if I got through that experience. And so I started writing about a character, a fictional character that went through exactly the same thing that I went through, but I just never could get it down onto, you know, words. So fast forward maybe 10 years, my wife just kept on egging me on to take a class with uh, Jeff McBride, who holds a, a school in Las Vegas. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not ready for that. These guys are masters. Mm -hmm. You know, my magic is just at the hobby level. But, you know, with her encouragement, I did take the class just out of a whim and also to kind of celebrate me getting over cancer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when I told, you know, Jeff McBride about this character that I had, that I wanted to wear this mask and, and I wanted to do this particular type of magic and tell a story, our relationship just kind of built on that. And he's really the reason why I was able to develop a character and to tell a story about how I felt during that time. Faust is a metaphor for change, you know, and, and that is the, the theme of who Faust was. And I know I mentioned that I felt like I was underwater in a dream. I use that also as a premise for how Faust tells a story. Everything that he does on stage is a daydream. It's not really who he is. So Faust is showing people that he wants to change. 
And and that is the whole metaphor about Faust and, and the point of the storytelling that he can do these impossible things. Wow. That's you know? that's that is awesome. That <laughs> that is a oh, that's a great and I already, you can already tell the type of, you are a master storyteller. I mean, just like the way you described that and the way you connected, the way you felt when you, you had cancer with going through the chemotherapy and the, that you've created a character out of that to, to take that in and, and describe that's a, that's thank you. Wow. You, wow. you know, the, the thing Rick with, with all of this is that going into magic or at least the, the years that I didn't do magic cause I really gave up magic when I was going through cancer. I had a Parkinsonian tremor in my hand and I could not pick up objects the way I do now, but I just had to give it up. But in my mind, I just like being around it because it's something that was always part of my heart. But even then I didn't want to perform. I had no ambition to perform on stage or even at the level that I'm at now in front of the public. I just never had that desire. But I think it's the character that, you know, the part of me that wants to tell a story. That's what drives me to the stage. Not really the magic. It's yeah. it's the story, the need to to be able to share this this experience um that I had. Hmm. You know? So so then as far as and you touched on it, how would you describe your type of magic and entertainment then comes that comes from thoughts. It definitely is storytelling. Okay. And I think from the teachers that I've had in magic, that's the style of magic that they do. Uh, Jeff McBride, Eugene Berger, these very big names in magic, uh, Larry Haas, they're all storytellers. So I gravitated to that style of magic because I felt like I, I, I wanted to tell a story. But I've always had this this sort of... Um, interest in pantomime if if you know you've seen Marcel Marceau or Charlie Chaplin these guys were like poetry in motion Mm -hmm. and I've you know it's kind of like something that you just put deep inside but don't really tell anyone because it might be a little bit weird for people (laughs) you know (laughs) so I I I mean literally no one knew that I was into that Uh -uh. it was just something that I kind of enjoyed on my own I, I don't even think my wife knew that, okay, okay. that I, I, I was into that. Yeah. But it just came naturally to me. When I was exposed to it and I really looked at it and what it could do and what movement can do and how it could tell a story without words, it just spoke to me. And, you know, and I took that on and I said, you know what, it, it's time. I got to just just try it. Yeah. And And it, you know, it just kind of loved me back so to speak as much as i loved it it loved me back and you know we c- created this harmony together you know? all right all yeah. right so, so and you so then when you were creating faust now with other magicians is it is that part of the way you become a magician you do create a character or is that is that just your form of the way you went at it I think it's 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 definitely a genre of magic storytelling. I think there are so many approaches to magic. It it could be more or less like a conversation, which is what you see in close-up magic. If someone were to do uh, magic from the table, 
uh -huh, like okay. cards or something. Yeah. The format would be different, but I think there's always something there that tells you a little bit more about the person. My magic is more theatrical. Okay. Or that at least that's how people describe it to be. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, my magic is is just a, a small part of the bigger magic universe. Gotcha. Okay. You know. Okay. Okay. But I think people identify it more as being theatrical. Okay. Okay. Even though, you know, I I don't see it that way. It's more storytelling and and just, you know, introducing my my own creative you know, ideas to the stage, but people see it as uh, theatrical. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so in essence, it's like you're, I mean, you're literally creating an entire experience, not that a magic trick, someone that does a magician, a magic trick is not an experience to, to watch it, but you're, you're basically the whole entertaining factor of everything through beginning the, the, the peak of the story to the end. There's a, it all connects. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people who go on stage, they'll play themselves or they're, they'll amplify a certain personality of themselves on the stage. For me, I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to literally come up with a fictional character and to play that character on stage. So that lies the challenge for me to to kind of get people to believe that I'm this other person on stage or I'm playing this character on stage. Uh -huh. So I, I knew that was a task at hand for me. And a lot of people do that sort of magic. And I knew that I was going to come across a lot of obstacles trying to convince people that Faust was real. Uh -huh. And fortunately, I think I found a, a good premise, a good setting and you know, enough technique that Faust does come alive because that in itself is an illusion, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, and, and yeah, I, I do want people to experience something more than just the tricks. Yeah. yeah, yeah And yeah. I think that's the goal of, of most magicians uh -huh. is that it, it's more than the tricks. Yeah. It's the experience of it all. Gotcha. Okay. So then uh, speaking of getting, I guess, well, your mindset of, going and becoming Faust, how do you set yourself up like um, into that character? Yeah, you know, the creative process, I think just knowing him and what his life was, I kind of understand how he would react, you know, and he, I, I wrote a whole life for Faust. And I think that's important because he's a life on his, on his own. And of course, he is part of my alter ego too. And his experiences are my experiences. And I really have to, you know, I can't be Faust 24-7, but when it's time <laughs> to be Faust, yeah. I realize that, you know, I have to remind myself that, you know, before that performance, what would Faust do? I have to see everything in his eyes. And, you know, the, the primary drive behind Faust, his intention with everything is to show, is to give. So when I have that mindset to give and to show these daydreams and these ideas as Faust, it translates into my, my, my physicality. So if anything that I'm, that, that I'm thinking on stage is that, is that, internal drive of who Faust is and that he wants to share and he wants to give this 
this experience to people. And it's not about him, but when I do that, I, I know that it translates in my pantomime and, uh, and how I interact with people, you know, and, and that's really how I get into who Faust is. That's his heart. That's his soul. What would you say has been your, your skill set, your principles that has kept you continuing your, your magic career? I think first, I think, you know, at some point I had to decide whether this was going to be a hobby or, or something that I was going to pursue and be committed to. So finding your calling, you know, is what is that? And for me, it was this, you know, to have my own little corner in, in magic and to be the best Chris that I could be. Mm -hmm. But if, if it, it really comes down to the secret sauce, what really propelled me to take this to a different level was to find a, a mentor. You know, I, I really attribute everything that I have accomplished thus far to different mentors I've had along the way, specifically my teacher at the Magic and Mystery School, Jeff McBride. Okay. I mean, he reinforced to me that every, every master was once a student. Hmm. And there are certain knowledge, knowledge and wisdom that you can't find in books and that they are communicated verbally from the master to the student. And sometimes those are, that's the best magic you, you, you'll find. So for anyone out there looking to pursue a career in magic, I would say find a mentor that has accomplished everything that you want to accomplish because they're going to make that, that success rate or that that trial and error and all those fa failures a little bit shorter for you. And I think if, if you pursue it in that way, you'll, you will be challenged because mm -hmm. he really challenges me to be on top of practicing, meeting my deadlines as, as far as my goals, my own personal goals. Yeah. And, and that has kept me in check because if it wasn't, if I were to do it on my own, I would probably procrastinate just a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. But for sure, find your calling and then find a, a teacher or a master in that field to help you in this journey because that's what it is. It's a journey. Yeah, no, for sure. And then within the finding a mentor and the whole magician, the whole organization, because I know you are part of the members of the Los, Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, what is it? The, the Magic, Magic Castle. Camp. Yeah. yeah. And I, that one, uh, I, when we were living in LA, I wanted to go, but we never, we never made it there. It's invitation only to get, just to be a guest. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, and then you're the one in London, England. What's it like to be part of it? Like what, what do you get out of it? And then like, back to the mentor question, if someone does, I mean, are people really are willing to share your the 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 skill sets with others that are trying to pursue magic i think at the magic castle definitely is they 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 nurture that sort of environment where the lectures are free once oh, you cool. become a member mm -hmm. i mean going back to i remember seeing the magic castle as a kid and seeing it on the hilltop you know, <laughs> taking your trips to la and you're like oh what's that what's yeah, going right? on in there <laughs> only la <laughs> oh yeah right you know it's it's so exclusive yeah yeah, yeah it is but, you know, my wife had egged me on to, to join the Magic Castle. I said, I don't have the chops for oh, that. Okay, okay, okay. You know, I was completely intimidated. But, again, you put in the work, and if that's a goal that you have, then 
you know, being part of the Magic Castle helped me develop relationships with people and helped me with the sort of knowledge that you're talking about. Being mentored along the way, just bits of advice in magic and and uh, it, it definitely helped. Um, the Magic Circle in London is something that I just got into now. Okay. And that in itself was a challenge for me because much like the Magic Castle, you audition performance-wise, you have to perform in front of a group. The Magic Castle or the Magic Circle, I wrote a thesis um, because I wanted to challenge my, you know, my knowledge of the academic side or philosophical side of magic. And then I performed. And this <laughs> organization is over a hundred years old. And, uh, it, you know, for me, it was quite intimidating. You have members like Prince Charles of England and all these wow. great magicians, part of this, they call it a society. Mm -hmm. And again, being part of that, being part of that legacy of magicians, <laughs> it means so much yeah. to me. It may not to someone else, but to me, it was just a, a goal that I, I had. And again, I wanted to be part of these organizations to be part of that community, uh -huh. to be able to carry on the knowledge and wisdom and community of magic. And now that I'm in, well, it's just the beginning. Yeah. All know? right. That's but, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, the, so then, like, as a um, as a master storyteller, do you is your stories? Do you create different stories for Faust? As far as like, you have your. I mean, is it a, a is the performance changes, um, or is it do you take life what's happening in life and and put it in your 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 experience? How do you how do you do that? Right. So I think. With with Faust, I knew the the theme was is that it was a metaphor for change, and and that's what drives him is he wanted to share his daydreams, and his daydreams were about change of some some sort. There's one particular uh, act that I do, and I I only have a few, because I really wanted to pour my my whole heart into just a couple of things, so that I can refine it. And then once I knew I could refine the five routines that I set out to do, then I would move on and expand from there. But the the one one of the first things that I I did was called the broken music box, and it it's 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 very straightforward. Faust finds this this music box and he realizes it's broken, and then by the end of the performance. He, he gets it to work. Of course, he does magic with the doll and it rises in its hand and, and whatnot. But for me, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how I felt during my experience with cancer. It was like, you know, I, I might not make it through all this. I, I might, you know, there's that possibility I might die. And then, you know, a lot of things just kind of went into that piece because I, I thought about life and death and how this little doll was a metaphor for, you know, death and being able to rise again and to be able to come from being broken to working again. So it wasn't a linear story. It was just the feeling. It was a story about, you know, how this guy is feeling and what he's reminiscing about. So it started off with that premise, 
but a lot of people take from it different things, which is what I want too, you know, but it really is about heartbreak, but being able to go through that heartbreak and making things turn again, because that's what the music box does is the doll spins around. So, you know, that's, that was one of the things that, you know, I really poured my heart into. It's a very, very simple routine. Uh-huh. But the meanings behind everything is right. pretty powerful. That's powerful. And I, I have a sign up in my, my room. It's, it says learning the ropes. It's, it's one of the very first things that I was taught with this character. And it, it's, it's a mime, you know, routine with ropes. And it's a very classical trick. But the metaphor behind it was it's called learning the ropes because Faust had to learn the ropes of life. And, you know, he stretched it, he, it, it gets cut and he, he, he goes through these obstacles with this rope. But in the end, it, it becomes restored again, just like his life. So I, I really needed to find meaning in, in the magic. I just didn't want to show tricks. Whether you get it or not is the question. Mm -hmm. But for me as Faust, I wanted people to see that, you know, there was this, this, this meaning to him at least. And, you know, that I think in every piece that I do, it, it definitely has its part in, in the magic. I just didn't randomly choose these, these, these tricks mm -hmm. and put them into Faust's story. That's why it's very difficult. And it might you know, hold against me later on because I'm very picky about what I do and how I implement it in there. But I really want to focus on the pantomime and, you know, the meaningfulness about the magic. That's awesome. You know, I, mean, I could come in there and, you know, you know, have a high energy thing, but yeah. it wouldn't be Faust. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So you that. All right. So why do you do what you do? It's my acronym of WIDWID. Why I do what I do? Well, I think part of me is, like I said, it's, it's about being able to tell the story. And I think by being able to tell that story, it does something for me. It's like I can give something to someone and if they receive it, then obviously their response or their their applause or or their reaction to it they give that to me and it it kind of make at first it was kind of a healing process for me to go through what i've been through and not just hold it in but to be able to translate my life experience into something good and it definitely is a cathartic experience for me to be up on that stage, to be able to, to let you in on, you know, who I am, you mm -hmm. know, and, and this art. Yeah, no, no, no. that's awesome. That, man, this is awesome. <laughs> the, uh, it's, 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 it's because, yeah, I mean, even like my, like my magic, the way I think of magic, right? Yeah. You think of the, the tricks and the, the, um, being entertained and be like, Whoa, how do they do that? But if looking at watching your magic and everything like that, and just hearing you describe it on the on the fact that how meaningful it is, it's not just about you know the rope thing. It's it's there's more to it, and it's like almost uh, you almost wish you read the book and then watched the show. And like now it's like now when I do see your your, your magic, 
I was just going to be, and I'm going to be in awe because I, there's now that art is come alive and I know what you, yeah. you know, and, and I guess that, and that is your challenge, right? Is to show someone that doesn't know anything about it to come in and watch you and then understand it and be like, right. In, in awe about it. Right. And it's perfectly fine to go into a magic show and just be, you know, just there to indulge the, the tricks and, mm -hmm. you know, to be in awe with that. Cause that is a particular type of magic too. It's a trickster type of mm, magic, okay. which is fine. But I think, you know, with with my sort of magic, it it definitely is, you know, theater and more more of a, a different pace. Uh -huh. I would I would say, but I do talk, and I started implementing that very concept into my act just to give people an idea of what's going on mm -hmm. when it's appropriate, of course. You know, variety shows it's really high high paced and stuff. So I'll just go right into Faust. Okay. But like on a one on one experience or you know a private show or something I would do here in in the parlor, uh -huh. I would definitely give it some preface to give you an idea because I understand that you know people want to know what's happening because you could get into my world and it's almost too much Alice in Wonderland. It's <laughs> like, what, what's happening here? And you know what, through the learning process of this character, it's happened to me yeah. where like people are just sitting there and they can't respond. The, okay. You know, they're just trying to comprehend like, okay, what's going right, on? Right. What's or... going on? I, I haven't experienced, I didn't, well, you know, I'm sure they experienced it in theater, uh -huh. but they don't know whether to clap or they don't know whether they should disturb me by making a noise. Uh -huh. And so it was a learning process because it's it's not theater where you just sit back and watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, want yeah. you to be part of this world. Uh-huh. And sometimes people are uncomfortable with that, especially with the mask and stuff. So it is a challenge for me, but the learning process definitely was was a good one because it it helped me find that way to connect with people and to be able to share a story through the mask. Huh. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely been fun on, on, in that respect. Now, when you look at the, um, when you're performing that and you're looking at the audience, are you, I mean, I guess the same thing as if you're speaking in front of a group of people, but are you reading the audience as far as, and how it, and did you kind of gear your performance that way being flexible yeah i mean i think magic is is really good if if you you know magic is good is when the audience feels like they're part of it you know at least for me that's that's my concept and i do i do have that interaction with the, the audience i think it's necessary otherwise you know not breaking that fourth wall kind of keeps them at a distance so I try to break that that fourth wall by engaging them and and kind of bringing them into my world just for a little bit because that that's really the whole point of Faust is to be able to bring them into my world and I think the way to do that symbolically is to get them up there with me okay you know but when I do that I don't you know I'm not the type of magician where I'm going to like kind of you know make you feel uncomfortable yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's already uncomfortable <laughs> seeing a guy up on stage with a mask. Uh -huh. But yeah, that that is a challenge. 
But I do believe that, you know, the more interaction I can get. Now, on that same topic with COVID and doing shows on Zoom, yeah, that is difficult. And I'm talking to my, you know, fellow performers, doing magic shows on Zoom is quite an adju adjustment uh -huh. because you can't see the reactions and applauses and stuff. However, there are ways to do that, you know, in the chat room, people, you know, show their, their, uh, you know, applause. Yeah. Yeah. Very creatively or uh -huh. they do, or they do mime or they do pantomime okay. by shaking their hands. I think, I'm, I think it is something to, to look at, but I am completely aware of how that audience is reacting, whether it's live or on zoom. I think you have to be. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's just one person in that room or just words saying, you know, wow, wow, wow. Or they press three to resemble a heart that they, you know, enjoyed the performance. So even that for me, it, it feeds me. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think audience reaction is definitely, you know, necessary, but it doesn't always have to be heard. You know, and I understand that as a pantomime, yeah, that oh, sound isn't always the only reaction you can get from from someone in order for it to be meaningful or impactful to that person. What advice would you give to that person that says, "I want to create something," and what would you what would you tell them? Well, I I I definitely believe that if you you just cannot be afraid to to look deep within yourself and be vulnerable to get in that creative process because at least for me I really had to bring things out that I never really shared with people and I think that's part of the process is to make yourself vulnerable and of course with this character I didn't know how it was going to go. And people told me not to wear the mask, you know, and people sometimes were repulsed by the idea that I was doing something like this because it, it, it can be off-putting to be on stage with a mask. But I think if you hold true to your original idea and you put people around you that actually are, are in the know and are skilled to give you constructive criticism, you can begin to form this, this idea or this, this creative thing that you have. But I think you really have to be open to being vulnerable. And I think if, you, if you're willing to do that, then allow this creative thing to take shape. Because I'll be the first to tell you, I was scared. It was really vulnerable to bring Faust out. And, and here I am performing in front of, you know, hundreds of people at a time, in front of people I admired in the magic world. And I would have never seen it three years ago. And that's really how long I've been doing Faust is three years. But if it weren't for me just being a little brave and just having a little courage to show that I'm different, and and true to who I am, then I wouldn't be here, you know. And so that that would be my advice to people: just be vulnerable. 
You're great. Yeah, that's all. All right. So now let's talk about your day off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is back to being quick. So, so you have that's a day off. <laughs> yeah, right. You have a day off. How would you describe like a a really great, just perfect day off for yourself? Right. You know, I was I I thought about this and. It's it's a hard question, especially when you love what you do, <laughs> right? You know, because you're constantly thinking about what you know, what what you do, uh-huh. especially if you're a creative. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I a real quiet day like this is what I look forward to, and just you know, I I have two kids. Just knowing that they're in the house or hearing their their noise in the background that's comforting for me. Or hearing the wife, you know, um, in the background. It, I don't necessarily have to interact, but just that 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 sort of ambiance comforts me. And then, and then of course, I, I love, you know, serving my kids and spoiling them and cooking for them and just, you know, being around them and, and having, you know, some quality time with them. I, I'm very simple like that because when I get into this creative mode, I, I feel like, you know, it's like a hundred miles per hour. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get off that, that path. So you, you know? get a sense of it. That's the way you relax. You're, right. You're, Just calm. Yeah. You know? Okay. I, I really like that. That's all right. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, and then as far as, um, besides just being nice and calm, do you <laughs> do anything <laughs> that you do for fun as far as, uh, hobbies or well, I th- I think, you know, I, I got in, like I mentioned before, the cocktailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just took a bartending class just because. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I like the idea of serving. But, you know, I, I also like tequila, you know, just just in terms of um, sipping it and, and, and understanding the, the craftsmanship behind the distiller making this liquid. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I think as far as all the alcohols, it's one that I can actually, you know, taste to, you know, and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, mix that with juices and stuff like that. I enjoy it and it relaxes me. I don't drink too much, but I like, you know, creating different concoctions of, uh-huh. of that. That's cool. And just sitting down and, you know, enjoying the quiet day. I'm not necessarily good at it, <laughs> <laughs> but but you you appreciate the craft of it, right? <laughs> and right. then and at the end of the day, you know, you, you finish what's in the cup, right? <laughs> I think there's something romantic about you know the person uh, making this liquid, taking yeah. years to make. <laughs> I think there's something to be said about that, you know. But I don't know. I just like the idea and just thinking about you know what this person went through to to get to this point yeah 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 Yeah, the 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 journey of making the alcohol right right? uh what's your last vacation the last vacation i believe it was disneyland okay we're big on disney in in this house and my daughter the magic kingdom why would you know right it's the happiest (laughs) place on earth right you can't fight that i you know i think I love Walt Disney and his idea of, of of what he had in mind for Disneyland. And so I think it's it's hard not to like, you know. I'm a big Harry Potter fan too. But as a family, you know, we love going to Disneyland. That's and, cool. And uh, 
I mean, what's not to like about Disney? Yeah, it's it's a great time. It's, it's uh, you know, with the the boys, it's uh, we well, we always did a tradition of um, first when they turn one, we'll go, even though they don't really get it. But but it's it's we remember, you know, right. it's that we remember right. him being there. But uh, but yeah, no, it's pretty magical, and it's definitely you know, as a kid, us growing up going to Disneyland was awesome, and then there was that little moment where you're like, eh. But then, like, right. seeing it with your kids, oh, yeah, it's, I, I it's mean, a great experience. Talk about experience. I think that's yeah what it's about. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you walk in there and you're in you're in a whole different world. It is. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, as far as um, are you, do you read, are you a book reader? Yes, I, I do. Cool. So as far as uh, do you have a book recommendation on the fiction side? Well, I, I would recommend, like, Harry Potter Dude, books. No, that's cool. That's that. Anything that just you know gets your mind into another world. Right. That's... You know, it's just easy to read. I I think I the reason why I got into it was of course magic, but mm -hmm. uh, you know I just like the journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know it just didn't stop with one book. It just kept on going and going and going. And then you got to see these kids grow up and having kids. You know, I appreciated seeing you know this group of kids growing up. In in a in a world that I would have loved to have uh -huh. been, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I I don't think I've you know recently I haven't read you know fiction, uh -huh. but I would definitely read or recommend Harry Potter, uh -huh. especially if you're not even into it. I mean, the books is completely different than the movies, and yeah, you could really get into it. Okay, you know? okay. So right. I would I would recommend that. All right, it's fun. all right, you know? yeah. Seriously, <laughs> what about uh, are you into like Once in the Future King, um, like with you know um, King King Arthur, and then the yeah. the the wizard, like oh, that yeah. type of genre. Yes, I, so the fantasy. Yeah, like that. oh, I definitely was into that when I was younger, especially with uh, King Arthur and and uh, yeah, Merlin. Yeah, 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 know, yeah, Merlin was a Slytherin. I'm not sure. If oh, you... okay, okay, see. <laughs> the Harry so Potter. A, you know, and that's the thing about Harry Potter it, is I think J.K. Rowling wrote the books based on you know uh, from a historical perspective from these you know sort of um, mythological tales and creatures and whatnot that's what i love that and there's that there's that bridge between history and fiction with with her characters so i and i'm a big history buff when it comes to that i love folklore so i think that in itself kind of attracted me to that world because okay. it's just not about you know the magic yeah know? i mean these are really based off of you know historical um things that have occurred in in the past yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that is that's always cool when authors can do it. another author that comes up in mind is bernard cornwell he does the same same type of concept like right. um like right now the on netflix the last kingdom oh yeah so he's the he's the author of that so he does a lot of the historical and then makes it and then you start thinking that this really happened right <laughs> i keep on hearing a lot about that yeah, show so i have to know it's good check it out you have to it's a good yeah. one. <laughs> and then i wanted to ask this earlier um, but uh, I decided to ask you now what was your first magic trick? Oh boy, <laughs> if you remember, yeah, well, I do remember <laughs> it. It was a I think my uncle bought it for me at a magic shop. Uh -huh. uh, it was probably a Houdini magic shop at that, but it was it's called the ball and vase, okay. And I remember it very clearly. It was yellow and it, it was just a vase with a red ball in it, 
and you could make the ball disappear, you could make it reappear. And it was very simple. It's a very, very simple trick. And I remember performing for a bunch of kids. I think I was in the third or fourth grade at, at summer school. And they asked me if I wanted to show a trick. And and I did. And, and it was this ball and vase. And the reaction I got was was awesome. And I think that's the very first time. That's my first recollection of seeing a trick. That's okay. You know, or or doing a trick. The first trick was Harry Houdini on that black and white television. When I seen him, I, I was just in awe, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and he does a different type of magic escapes, you know, but still the sense of astonishment and wonderment that that was created in me wanted me to give that same sensation to other people by performing magic. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So in closing, I have two more questions. How do you want to define your legacy as of today? That's a real tough question. <laughs> you know, legacy. I, you know, I think about, I thought about this. I'm 46 years old. And, you know, I think what's most important to me is that I'm remembered. And not, not in an artistic sense, but, you know, with my kids and their kids and their kids and just generations thereon that they can, you know, remember me as this great, great, great grandfather who was a role model for the family. You know, I hope that I'm not forgotten, at least in that sense, for my family you know, because that's the highest value that I have is, you know, my kids, they're my legacy. And I hope that I was able to contribute, you know, in their memories that I was worth enough to be remembered, you know, and maybe in an artistic sense with magic. I mean, it's not that important to me that I'm not remembered. But yeah, if, if I was just able to, you know, come across anyone in the magic community or outside and, and they were able to remember me from a good experience, then that's good enough for me. That's legacy enough for me. And then finish this sentence. Chris is? Faust. He definitely is Faust. Awesome, man. And so just in closing, how does someone get information about watching one of your shows? Uh, and then if you want to give out like your, your social media handles, all that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I have a website. It's www.chrisheronmagic.com. You can find me on there. I have my shows on there. And then I'm on Facebook, uh, Chris Heron as Faust. Um, and also uh, Instagram. Chris Heron is Faust as well. But if you just go to my website, you could find me there. And if, you know, you guys want to reach out to me, I'm definitely available. And, and you know, I, I'm not a snob or anything. So, you know, I'm definitely approachable. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and we'll make sure that everything is uh, linked on your, when your, your Scotch Potter story does come out. I'll have everything linked for you. And, and Chris... AK Faust, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and hear your story, your journey, and it just uh, just to hear the the what's behind 
your 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 experience that you you share with people. It's it's amazing. It's awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It means so much to me that you took the time to 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 just talk to me on this level, and I'll always remember that. Okay.